just to put some background around um, any of our listeners. Steve and I met on LinkedIn, uh, which has been a fantastic journey for both of us. Um, and the reason we're, uh, why we've taken our conversation offline is that we found that there are just so many things that we have in common, um, one of them being learning um, our spirituality, uh, being about people, serving others, lifting others up, spreading positivity. Uh, the list could really actually go on for quite yeah, some sure. time. <laughs> um, but all, all in all, we just found that um, we have so much to talk about, um, so much to learn from one another, uh, and and also just really strong messages that we hope to pass on to to anyone who is perhaps looking for some answers. Cause great. Sounds like a great uh, uh, background in terms of an interview. And, and certainly, Elizabeth, I welcome this chance to talk with you. Um, as you mentioned, we have so many things in common that, you know, very early on in getting to know you, I realized that you were an important person to get to know. And I count you as a very valuable friend. Thank you, Steve. Same here. Absolutely. I think that um, one of the great things that I find about connecting with people is also the diversity. Uh, so, um, and I, I really cherish uh, being able to discuss things uh, across genders, across nationalities, across even across different faiths, if, if that comes up. Um, you know, obviously geographically, we're lo I'm located in Melbourne, Australia, and you are, you'll have to, you know, quite specifically tell me you are in America, but what part of America are you in? I'm in the suburbs of Chicago right now. Ah, uh, lovely. And see, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's just a blessing that I have this opportunity to, to talk with so many different people and also be able to uh, amplify everyone's voice because uh, the messages that are there uh, sometimes need a, a little bit of direction. And so that's why I decided to create raw and real chats because it's a, it's a place where, you know, nothing's staged uh, and it's really just a case of showcasing what is already present uh, on, on particularly for the platform that we're both on, which is LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely there. Um, but, uh, but, as I mentioned before, I'm, I'm looking to expand over into the other platforms of, of YouTube and Instagram and, and those bits and pieces. So, Steve, if you wouldn't mind, you mentioned before about offline. Um, we were talking about your, your stories uh, and the, the lessons that came from the stories. Do you mind telling us um, one story in particular? Um, you know, give us some of that background. Um, and tell us about that experience and really the, the fundamental learning that, that came from that? Okay. Um, probably the story I gravitate the most to is the challenge I faced as a young man facing cancer. Um, I just basically graduated from college. I uh, was already married, had two little precious boys, one in age H2 and H1, and I, I started work for a good company, and I was diagnosed with leukemia. And that 
put me in the hospital a number of times over basically nine months it was the initial treatment phase. Uh, I relapsed and then put me back in the hospital again, uh, at which time during that second stage, the doctors came to me and said, Steve, you know, based on your history, you're probably going to relapse again, and the chemotherapy is probably not going to work. Uh, so we expect you probably have a three to 5% chance to be alive in a year. So obviously I don't look like 23 so or 24. So yes, I've been around a while, well past what the doctors predicted. Uh, but the one lesson that came out of that, when I realized, you know, the diagnosis of cancer, you know, when you, first time you hear that, you're a little bit shocked. You're a little bit, your mind starts going to, okay, I'm going to die. It, it, there's just an immediate, usually an immediate thought um, where people start looking at their life and wondering what is ahead of them. How long do they have to live? And in my case, because I have my two little boys and my wife, I began to think about what's going to happen to them. You know, who's going to raise my sons? Who's going to take care of my wife? And it motivated me to uh, want to live, uh, it, you know, because as you mentioned, uh, faith is very important to me. And I would have been happy dying. I mean, people may not believe that, but. You know, for me, it was it, death as a departure from this world into a life with um, Jesus Christ and the Heavenly Father and all that, which is going to be so much greater than what we exist and have today. Uh, and I can even attest to that a little bit in that early on in the hospital, the disease almost killed me. Uh, in fact, the oncologist, a little bit later, when I was in his office a few months later, told me, Steve, the first time I saw you, I didn't think you'd make it through the night. And I remember that day because, yeah, technically what was happening is my white blood cells, which were immature, uh, where most people have like maybe normally around three to 5,000 white blood cells, mine had produced into the hundreds of thousands of immature white blood cells. And so it was flooding my veins in a way that it was suffocating me. It was keeping the red blood cells from getting oxygen from the lungs. Um, I was having trouble breathing. They put me into an oxygen tank. They pumped in high volumes of oxygen. And during that time when I was at on death's doorstep, the peace of God flooded me in such a major way. I mean, it's t I, I don't have words to explain it except to say before that event and since that event, it's never occurred like it did in that event where the peace of God was just so supernatural so encompassing 
that I sometimes tell people I felt like I was falling asleep in the arms of God, like he was holding me. Uh, but in his will, his plans, uh, he saw me through the night and I lived on. Now getting back to my family um, and wanting to live for them and wanting to raise my sons, I realized I only had one, I, I didn't know if I had tomorrow to live. So I stopped living for tomorrow. I lived, began to live for today and say, what can I do to make this day meaningful? You know, how can I stop and smell the roses to see what's going around, you know, or on around me to appreciate that? Because there's so many great things in our lives every day that we take for advantage or we just plain ignore that if we take the time to stop and look, they can move us in ways that, you know, help our spirits, make us positive, all those things. And, and for me, I started to live that way. And then I also started to adopt this mentality of what can I do this day to make a memory with my family that, you know, when I pass, this is all I'll have left are these memories. And so it became important for me each day to make memories with them. Uh, even though I knew my boys were one and two, and if I died, they probably wouldn't remember any of it. But it was important to me. Uh, and it helped me emotionally um, in dealing with all the stuff I had to deal with. So again through trials can come some of the most valuable lessons we can learn and so for my biggest trial that of life and death with with cancer out of that came the value of today and making the most of today and not thinking about tomorrow not living for tomorrow and missing what's in front of me today it's an amazing story steve it really is and it touches my heart very, very deeply.